From Badger's Drift, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who walk their dogs every day while wearing barbers, but still haven't found a dead body. Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Wow, barbers, walking dogs, man. Corey, who sent that unbelievably, remarkably obscure reference into us? Corey? That was written by Clark Aldrich, who challenged us to Google something and fail. Although I think it's a book reference, right? I, I, I don't read. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Mark, you know, what, you know what I did uh, this last weekend? I spent the better part of two days hanging out with uh, Kid Rock's uh, cousin. Do you know that? Now, he, 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 before the punchline comes, yeah, I have to say that we're late this week. Yes, we are. So what happens Be- because is... Because I was hanging out with Kid Rock's cousin. That's okay, why we're say late. It, say the joke and then I will... Well, I was hanging out with Kid Rock's cousin, Kid Stone, otherwise known as uh, uh, Kidney Stone. That's right. Thank you. We were going to podcast... The reason we're late. <laughs> we were going to podcast. I get a, an email from Wade's wife mm-hmm. who says, Wade is in the ER with stomach problems. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very exciting. Because okay. we had talked earlier that day. We're like, all right, we're, we're, we're going to do it. Knock it out. That's correct. Yep. And then suddenly... Uh, there was a there was a moment I, I said to her because I, I was taking I was going to go down for a nap with the baby I said I'm feeling a little woozy you know I'm feeling a little thing going on I said you know I'll take a nap with it maybe it'll probably go go away I kid you not within 40 seconds of lying down with the baby I was like okay now I'm in pain and I I called Ren I'm like oh, this really, uh, and then within I like maybe another 90 seconds it was excruciating pain. I was, I, and I was like rolling around on the floor uh, on an armoire. I was just, I was like, I, I, it was, I was inconsolable. And she's like, I got to take you to the ER. I'm like, no, no, it'll go away. I'm sure it's just like bad turkey. I'm sure it was just the, the sandwich I had for lunch. You told me not to eat it. It was like a week old. I'm sure that's all it is. And I'm not kidding. It was like I, I ate turkey that was a week old, and she was like scolding me. It's like, it's, meat's too old. I'm like, no, it smells good. It's fine. And uh, next thing you know, I'm, I'm like sitting around the emergency room, and it takes forever at the emergency room, even a good emergency room, right, because they've got to do all their paperwork and open up a bed or whatever. Then there are these trauma cases coming in. There's like a guy who's like stark raving mad and he's screaming and he's punching things. It's, you know, it's great. It was like an episode of ER. And sure enough, you know, finally get uh, get all drugged up and get a CAT scan and the whole deal. And they tell me, you got a kidney stone. This is the little one, though. I was like, a little one with huge pain. This is excruciating. How do people even stand this? Well, like, it's, it's, it's a very small tube that your, well, your you, urine goes through. Good grief. Now, hang on for a second. Now, can't they... Uh, first of all, I have a tip yes. for getting faster service at the emergency room. You, but before... Tell them that you're, you, you have plague? No. Close. <laughs> okay. Uh, but before I tell you what that secret is, and I, yeah. and I read about this secret, subsequently used this, this secret, and it mm-hmm. works... So what happens? So can't they give you? Uh, can't they like take lasers and and break it up or something? Well, the really big ones they they can break up with uh, like sonic waves. You know, they like shatter them. But mine wasn't big enough. So it well, why couldn't they shatter and just make it smaller than it already was? Because it's about as small as you can make it with sonic waves. Got it. I had one of the tiny ones, so Got I can't it. even imagine what the big ones are like when people you know just it it it's horrible. It's the worst thing ever. But it made it, it may not be just one little. Thing it could it could be a couple no, it, of little it, no it's, it's almost always one little thing one little thing and it's like a grain of sand when you see it you're like that really it's the worst it's funny because I remember uh, years ago when I when my appendix ruptured and yeah. I was, went to the hospital and they and they thought that may have been a, a thing too 
for me. So because the, uh, no, because the pain when my when my same place. rupture was horrible. Yeah, this was the same general area. So and, yeah, and they threatened me by saying if, they 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 took the seventeen pieces of my appendix out Ugh. and stitched me up, and then in the in the hospital, I was in the hospital for like a week, or whatever it was, Man. and then they said if you don't pee by like tomorrow, we're gonna stick a tube up there to make you pee. <laughs> mm-hmm. And me and my penis had a very serious conversation. <laughs> and I said, let me tell you something. You better make this happen because we will both be unhappy for the rest of our lives. And, uh, and my, my, my member, my Jewish member, mm-hmm. it, uh, it complied. Good. Anyway, oh, well, here's the they, thing. They, they gave me morphine. Let me just tell you, they gave me morphine. Well, no, see, they it, gave. No, you don't uh, even. You know, you've never taken like a drug. Ever. No, nothing. They gave me morphine. Didn't touch it. I was like, I'm an addict. Give me something else. And uh, so then they gave me Dilaudid, and that took about 15 minutes and totally did the trick. So did you not take so the morphine? Lesson, because you 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 you. you no, they gave me morphine. Oh, they gave you morphine. They gave me. It didn't do anything. Nothing. Okay. I didn't, didn't touch it. Okay. Not not even a buzz. I was like, uh, that you know, that was like a that was like a, a shot glass of water. Give me something else. And they gave you Dilaudid. And that was good. Oh yeah. Oh now, yeah. Now, uh, was it good in the sense that if you didn't take it, you would have been in horrible pain, or like it really helped? Like no, it, it made the pain go away. Wow. But it took about fifteen minutes. It was like you know dropping from like the pain scale nine, eight, Let's seven. Dilaudid. Dilaudid. I don't know how you spell it. Sounds Lord. like a character from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Speaking of, where I, well, you, I didn't tell you my oh, secret. Oh yes, sorry, your secret, the emergency room secret. Go, and then I got oh, a couple so other stories. Hydromorphone. It's probably a, it's, so it's some sort of form of morphine. Hydromorphone. Yes. Treats moderate to severe chronic pain. This medicine is a narcotic. Mm-hmm. Analgesic. Well, um, now, the way that you uh, get faster treatment at the emergency room, yes, is to tell them that uh, you're having chest pains. Because they'll think you're having a heart attack. Okay. And they will treat you immediately. I see. And it's then true. When, And then when I get in there and I go, you know what? It's not actually my chest anymore. It's actually down here in my abdomen. Let them check your chest. And okay, you know what? Fine. That's what I did. I went to the emergency room for something I, I can't remember. And then I and then I had heard that and I went in and I said, I'm having, I'm having a chest pain. It wouldn't have worked with me. You should have seen me in the emergency room waiting room. I was moaning. I was lying down on chairs. I was. I mean, I was a sight. I'm sure I was making everyone really uncomfortable. Chest pains. Yeah. Done. Anyway, uh, also, today, as you probably know, I uh, got an early peek at uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, first of all, that's not fair. I know. Because you promised to take me to the cast and crew screening. No, I said maybe if it's a... I mean, I can't... No, you said... I, I, you really? said you would go to the cast and crew screening the day before it opens. And I said, I said... Well, I can't go to the actual screening because it's too early. I've got to get the baby to bed. But I'll be going to the reception afterwards. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Before you tell us what you thought of the movie, yeah. I want to maybe build up some drama. Yeah. I'm going to see the movie Tuesday. Uh-huh. A week from whatever, two days ago. And then I'm going to meet you at Fox. Right on. And then you're going you're gonna to take... I'll be your plus one. Yeah. And you will take me mm-hmm. so I can eat all the free food. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, like ape-shaped cookies or mm-hmm. whatever they have. Mm-hmm. Monkey juice. Whatever. Bananas. I don't sure. know what they're going to have. Sure. And I'm going to eat my brains out. Okay. Okay. So do you agree to do that? Sure. Seriously? Yeah. So, so you, you, your wife's not going to go? No. Your baby's not going to go? No. Mark Sanderson's not going to go? No, he's going. But oh, he, he But he got his own invitation. Oh, because he's... Well, of course. Yeah, because they grew up together, you know. Exactly. Okay. Look, I, he and Matt go back to elementary school. I, I only go to high school with both of them. So, you know. Okay, fine. 
That's the deal. Okay, so you're saying here in front of God and our listeners. Ryan Burke will probably will, be there. Really? Yeah. That you, you will walk up to him and go, don't screw up Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> thanks, a dwarf. <laughs> thanks. Why did you hurt Harrison Ford? What did you do to him? Can you can you imagine? Seriously. So they have to rewrite that thing. Isn't that hysterical? No, you know, honestly. And, and you know what? Freaking uh, 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 Bob Iger. Rewrite the thing. Why, why rewrite it? Amputate his damn leg and CGI it in after the fact. You realize they do that, that like, stuff. Harrison Ford was going to be like Han Solo yeah. reportedly was like a ma- the major character and it was pretty much his film. Yeah. It was his film and whoever the younger one was that was going to become like the new younger Luke Skywalker whatever of, yeah. this generation. Yada yada. Now supposedly they're rewriting um, uh, what's his name from uh, the Coen Brothers film Isaacs. Yeah. Jason Isaacs. They're, they're beefing up Jason Isaacs part. Jason Isaacs. They're yeah. beefing up his part. And now uh, Han Solo is going to be in it less because Ford's not available for like eight weeks. You know what? And they begged begged Disney to move the release date back. They wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. That's a big mistake. Big mistake. You move the release date, for crying out loud. Anyway. Okay, so so Planet of the Apes, good or bad, go. It's good. It's good, man. It's really good. I'll I'll say nothing more because I I got to talk about it on the radio the uh, the day after on opening day. But uh, so I'm not going to obviously tease my comments. But it's good. It's really good. Um, And keeping in mind, I hated the last one. Truly (laughs) loathed it. And it's not just because Matt's a friend. Uh, and and a guy I think is an amazingly talented director. But it it is good. It's uh it's a it's a it's a good script. And it is. This is what I'll say. I I appreciated. That it is in many respects almost an anti-tent pole. It's surprisingly intelligent and thoughtful. Wow. Yeah. What, it is. It is. So you're using the words intelligent and thoughtful mm-hmm. and tent pole mm-hmm. in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sure am. And Absolutely. not split up by the words are never. And this may finally be the the mocap performance that gets Andy Serkis an Oscar nomination. It seems that's what people are saying. It could be. It really could be. I mean, because, you know, in Lafco, we've always had this debate. It, it, every time he's done one of those things, people are like, why not Andy Serkis as Gollum? Why not Andy Serkis? He was really good as King Kong. He was really... And, and even with, the, with that Planet of the Apes film, the last one, that, that was getting people like Andy Serkis, man. We've talked about him before. And it never got... He never got over the hump. There were always maybe people like, yeah, it's mocap and who knows, yada, yada. But here, it is... It's very much a performance. And yes, it's mocap, but it's... It's his eyes, it's his, his body, it's his voice. It's, you know, he, he, he nails it. He nails it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful performance. And Matt's going to, uh, this is it for Matt. He's, 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 oh, yeah. he's, he's off and running. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was, it was iffy there for a while. Well, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's been an interesting career for him, but this is, this is the deal. Yeah, he's off and running for sure. Good yeah, for, for sure. For sure. You know, and, you know what they're going to give him? He will do one of the Star Wars, at least standalone films. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I have no maybe. knowledge of that, but, but I'm just you know, saying. He's got his own films he wants to do, too. You know, we need to talk just for a second before we, we waste too much more time on all this stuff. Um, the big Criterion thing, which we <gasps> haven't talked about. The, the fact that Criterion is no longer doing the, uh, the, the combo sets, the DVD and the oh, Blu-ray Oh, I thought you meant editions. the Barnes & Noble sale. No, 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 it's which is on, on right again. Now. It is going on. But, you know, a lot of people have been weighing, on, weighing in on this, on the Criterion thing, and uh, everybody's like, what the hell? I mean, we had a good thread going on the, on the Facebook page, and my feeling is, like, who are these people who are such cinephiles that they, they buy Criterion, but, ugh, they can't be bothered to spend money on a Blu-ray? It's like, what are you... Who are you people? I, I, you really exist? There are people that's like, I love movies, but I'm not ever going to upgrade to HD. Who is this person who resents having to buy a Blu-ray? I don't understand. Well, okay, okay, look. Uh, 18 months ago, I would have said that's not fair because Blu-rays are expensive and, yeah. you know, 
But nowadays, you can get a Blu-ray player for 50 bucks. Blu-ray players are in your PlayStation I just don't get it. 3. So anyway, so I got hold of the people at Criterion, and I just I said, look, i got two questions for you. What's the deal here? Who are these people? I mean, is this really what it appears? Can you give me any more details? And then I also said, and what happened to the Eclipse line? Because there were like four f- Eclipse titles every couple of months, a couple of years ago. There were a few last year. There have been like none this year, maybe one. And it's almost like it's slowed to a trickle. So I said, what's the deal? And they wrote me back and said, uh, the statement on the move away from dual format says it all. There is no other reason behind the decision. There are still many people for whom DVD is the choice. Eclipse is still alive and well. More titles to come. So that's good news. Eclipse is still alive and well. More titles to come. But uh, they, they're not saying any more about the, uh, the DVD Blu-ray thing. And then uh, another interesting development that I wanted to share with listeners. Uh, Echo Bridge who is, you remember, the Miramax Library, when it was bought by Ron Tudor and Colony Capital, right? They bought the Miramax Library, snatched it away from Harvey. At the time, I said, I still say Harvey's going to get that library back. You remember, I've said this many times. You have? I was there. And, uh, but, you know, they snatched it, and they kind of licensed 200 and some titles to uh, Echo Bridge to just kind of shoot out there, spin them out on the original... the exact same copies that Disney had released when they had the library, and then give Lionsgate some A-list titles like, you know, Pulp Fiction and stuff like that, and let them, Shakespeare in Love, let them sort of play with that. And um, then we got this from Echo Bridge. Uh, that They basically said, we will no longer be sending samples to reviewers. The nature of our business has changed, and we will no longer have many new release singles that need promoting. Uh, Echo Bridge is continuing to acquire and distribute films as always, and they're available to purchase at many retailers, Etc. Etc. And I said, "Could you clarify what's going on here? And does this? What does this mean for the Miramax Library?" And they said, "It means most of our business is now based in multi-features at low price points, intended for impulse shoppers at major retailers. In other words, there are like twelve horror films in one thing, right? Like, you know, oh look, that's great. What a bargain! Six dollars, and I get twelve movies. We rely more on someone picking up a five-dollar collection than on the press surrounding one of our rare single releases." I'm not at liberty to comment on the Miramax deal. So where did the Miramax films go? This is what I think is happening. Um, Ron Tudor exited that deal not long ago. Ron Tudor sold his entire... I mean, he was the big guy, the big shaker in that whole thing. And he sold his investment in the, in the, uh, the Miramax library so that now Colony Capital and that, you know, Steve, whatever, whoever the guy is that runs Colony Capital is basically the guy who runs the whole thing, whole operation now. And ever since that happened last year, suddenly the Miramax releases slowed to a trickle and then a stop. No Miramax titles have come out in months from anybody, really. None of the Miramax library. I think that they are having talks. I don't think they were ever able to exploit those titles to their satisfaction. I think they feel like their investment in the Miramax library waned, was not to the satisfaction of the investors in Colony Capital, and they are now looking for a way to merge with Weinstein. That's my prediction. I think Colony Capital is talking to Harvey Weinstein and trying to figure out a way to make the Weinstein Company and Miramax once again one company. And in exchange, those guys at Colony Capital will get an interest in the Weinstein Company, and Weinstein Company will once again control the library of films that Harvey loves so much, and he'll be able to exploit the hell out of it and generate all kinds of, you know, who knows what. Well, that's the thing with, with Tudor. I mean, these guys and Colony Capital... That's my Capital, prediction. They, I guarantee you no, that's what's but, going on right but, now. But here's the thing, though. Why would Tudor and Colony Capital even buy the Miramax library knowing that, you know, DVD is 
waning blue because, because I think they thought that they really could exploit the hell out of it. But they, these, but they have no. I know. They have no. Uh, they have no history, no knowledge, no experience in exploiting movie titles. There That's you go. not what Ron Tudor does. I know. It's not what Colony Capital does. I realize That's what that. Harvey does. Exactly. So that said, uh, let's talk about some new movies real quickly. I'm going to blow through a few uh, kind of uh, interesting mid-level, second-tier type things, straight-to-video stuff that people might want to pay attention to that might otherwise uh, get kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, One is a movie that I was supposed to talk about on radio a few weeks ago. This did get a theatrical release. It's from Wolf, which does a lot of gay titles. It's called Test. Uh, We didn't get to it on radio, but it's now out on DVD, and I thought it would be worthwhile giving this a quick mention. Um, It's uh, not a great film. Because it's basically, it all takes place in 1985, right at the beginning of when AIDS is becoming a, you know, a, a public health, a real public health consideration. It's like breaking out into the mainstream and people are afraid and um, there's a real taboo about it. And it's about basically a, a gay dancer in 1985 in San Francisco who uh, feels like he needs to get tested, but he's just terrified of what might uh, ensue and you know it's the fear of AIDS and this whole plague-like atmosphere and again not a great movie a very simple movie uh, but I think uh, one of the few that really does a really good job of recreating the period 1985 San Francisco middle of the AIDS scare I think it does uh, it's it's certainly worth a look for people that uh, find the concept interesting and then uh, Ben Kingsley will do absolutely anything anything Mark anything yeah, you know what's funny is that for a guy who'll do anything you would mm-hmm. think he would never get any prestigious acting I offers know. because he'll do anything, but he still gets... I know. You know, he was in Hugo, terrific in Hugo. He shows up in brand new big tentpole films. Somehow, this guy, this guy's reputation in the legit film community cannot be destroyed. I know. Well, anyway, uh, James Legro will also do just about anything, but James Legro is a damn good actor, and he's an indie darling, and Ben Kings is a damn good actor. And, but this, is, the, this movie belongs to Cody Smith-McPhee, who, of course, was Matt's discovery because he was the, the kid in... Uh, Let Me In. Let Me In. He's also in, um, in Apes. Is that right? Yep, sure does, is. Does he play an ape or a human? He plays a human. Interesting. He's good. He's really good. So anyway, he's... Uh, does a human and an ape have sex Cody? And, and deliver an ape-human-baby hybrid? Go. Oh, my gosh. Does that happen? No, it does not. Okay. That just grossed me out. Um, <laughs> thank you for turning apes into some kind of V thing. Anyway, uh, no, this is basically about a 15-year-old kid on a bird-watching, or should we say birding, I know that's the appropriate term, on a bird-watching road trip, coming-of-age road trip. Ben Kingsley is wonderful. Cody Smith-McPhee is really good. James Legros terrific. It's called A Birder's Guide to Everything, and it's a really sweet film. And uh, I'm kind of surprised it didn't get a better release, but there it is. And then we also got from Monterey Media a little movie called Redwood Highway, uh, which features Shirley Knight and Tom Skerritt. And, uh, again, this is, you know, this is uh, one of these Northwest uh, kind of nuggety movies about, a, um, uh, about this woman played by Shirley Knight who undergoes this 80-mile hike to uh, kind of relive the last several decades of her life. You know, it's about an exploration of life and, and meditation and all that kind of stuff. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a nuggety road trip. But Shirley Knight is wonderful, and Tom Skerritt is great. I love Nuggety Road Trip. It's a Nuggety Road Trip. And, uh, but you know what? It's, it's really sweet. It's, it's very nicely put together. Again, a movie that deserved uh, better than it got. Four of Hearts is um, 
a little bit lowbrow, but it's got a decent cast, and I don't know any of these people. Uh, Darren DeWitt Hansen, Nadine Ellis, Gabrielle Olds, Michelle Krusiak. I don't know who any of them are. Um, but this is from uh, RLJ Media, Other, you know, normally an image, but uh, this is officially RLJ Media, this release. And it's just one of these, um, uh, one of these kind of daring... Um, kind of, you know, everything since Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice that has sort of dealt with relationships and, you know, swapping and infidelity and difficulty in relationships. Directed by? Paul Mazursky. So depressing, isn't it? That's it the, is That's depressing. the news we didn't even bring up. I know. Because I, I just don't even want to face the fact that he's gone. You know, my... Oh, my I'm so depressed. My beloved picture of me with Mel Brooks. I know. Right? Mm-hmm. That was taken at the Alaska Awards. Yep. Because Mel Brooks showed up to present Paul Mazursky yep. our Lifetime Achievement Award. Man. Well, anyway, this is very Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, except with, you know, mixed-race couples and interracial couples and kind of an, a, a, a millennial angle to it. And uh, not as good, but certainly tries to push some of the same buttons. Uh, you know, four of hearts. Give a look if that interests you. And then lastly, before I unleash Mark on the pick of the week, uh, a movie called Dark Hearts. Ah, a lot of hearts this week. Uh, this is with a bunch more people that I don't know, except for Gorn Viznik, who, of course, used to be on ER, a word that's uh, prominent in, or a term that is uh, an acronym that is prominent this week on the show. Uh, the rest of these people are uh, complete unknowns. But this is one of those uh, obsessive uh, love thrillers that uh, has some cool music and it's got a cool style vibe and uh, probably worth, uh, worth a look if you're looking for a, a grungy little thriller that's uh, got some pointed edges to it and an interesting, young, sexy cast that will probably show up in a lot better things. So uh, if that appeals to you, go check out Dark Hearts from Vertical. Mark, this, yes, week, this week has... The release of the film that all critics unanimously... Did you see the pics of what the, the best films in the first six months of the year were from our friends over at Variety? I did, and Isn't all that of amazing? Them. Every single one of them. Those guys never agree. Justin, Peter, and Scott never agree on any damn thing. They have taste as varied and diverse as can be. And I, I have served on juries with all three of them. We know them all well. I, I can't imagine those guys ever agreeing on anything. Yet all three of them agree the best film of the first six months of this year is... The Grand Budapest Hotel. There you go. Amazing. It is great. It's a great film. It's the, uh, you know, the, mid, the mid-career winning streak of Wes Anderson continues. I think this thing is just beautiful. It is just a flight of whimsy, and it is just a fanciful story that weaves in murder and art thievery and ski chases and, and all done in the usual Wes Anderson way. Now, the thing Fantastic. With, with, now, the thing with Wes Anderson is if, you, if you're not into the Wes Anderson thing... Mm. Okay, what Grand Budapest Hotel has, which Moonrise Kingdom also had, was a certain emotional authenticity that even with all the drollness and all the hipsterism and all that sort of deadpan humor, some people thought that Anderson was not that emotionally authentic and real. Moonrise Kingdom definitely was, and here I think he is too. Yeah. And Ray Fiennes is great, playing the uh, concierge at the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. And uh, I just think this is great. It's one of it's it's one of it's. Pro- I think that with apologies to Gene Hackman from um, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, I think that the Ray Fiennes character here is the most memorable individual character that Anderson has ever created. Pretty great. It's great. I, it, it's great. And, Tilda Swinton's and, great in it. 
this thing is just infectiously fun. It's so well produced. You know, it's just enveloping and expansive, and it's just it's 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 beautifully rendered. It, it's it, great. What's nice is it's uh, even though he has always been a Richard Lestery guy in his career. This is where he kind of goes into Ernst Lubitsch territory, and I thought that's just delightful. Well, it's, it's funny because, like, uh, to me, if you're referring to "to be or not to be," well, "to be or not to be" and and "Trouble in Paradise," and there are sort of a lot of Lubitsch films that also have a Hungarian connection. That that this just screams. That's uh, true. Because people are saying that 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 this is like his "to be or to be or not to be." Now, "to be or not to be" is is strictly political. Film, but trouble, whereas this trouble, is not a strictly political film, and Trouble in Paradise takes place primarily in Austro-Hungarian locations, and it's based on Hungarian play. So you know there there are all kinds of little winks and nods uh, to that here. But he he he, he somehow he manages he nails it. It's fantastic, beautiful stuff, and uh, some great featurettes and beautiful looking Blu-ray. It's just it's just a delight, absolutely a delight. And, that, and, that, and by that way, the Bill Murray tours the town featurette is uh, is every bit as as awesome as uh, as it appears. Uh, a couple other little quick titles here: a Blu-ray of a movie called Vinyl, uh, which is uh, it wants to be one of these kind of classic um, rock indies, I guess. It's not it's not really School of Rock. It's not really high fidelity, but it's sort of. Wants to find its place in there somewhere. Uh, basically, this guy Phil Daniels, who I've never seen before, uh, he's he's like he and, his, he and a bunch of buddies had his band, and they want to do kind of a that thing you do single, right? They want to come up with that one hit that just nails it, and um, it, they come up with this plan to to do it that's allegedly based in fact, and I find it very hard to believe. Because it, it's like this this famous hoax that took place about ten years ago, but uh, you know, I, 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 it's it's not boring. It's just a little bit of a it's a little bit of a stretch. So I think if you're younger, if you're probably the target age group of this, if you're a millennial, people who I loathe with a passion, I guess you'll probably respond to it. But not not exactly my type of deal. But I didn't hate it. Uh, and then Benicio del Toro and Mathieu Amalric are both fantastic in Jimmy P. Uh, Psychotherapy of a Plains Indian. Um, this was in uh, in competition at Cannes, and also at the uh, New York Film Festival. This is by the great French director Arnaud Despochin, and never got a proper theatrical release here, which is totally weird to me. Uh, it got picked up by IFC. They did nothing with it, and they're now just kind of blowing it out on DVD. And uh, it's too bad, because it's really good. Benicio Del Toro, terrific performance. Mathieu Amalric, a great performance. And uh, it is a, it, it's an Arnaud Desplechin film that's in English, for crying out loud. Um, anyway, the, uh, the story here, as it goes, is uh, that there's this uh, Native American, played by Benicio del Toro, who um, uh, appears to have some kind of post-traumatic stress syndrome thing. Um, they, they say that he's uh, schizophrenic when he goes into, and this is all at the end of World War II, right? It's a, it's a World War II thing. And uh, anyway, he, uh, it, it's about how he goes through this, this medical process and uh, it, you know, what, what it leads to. And of course, a lot of it is based on the relationship that he has with, uh, with Mathieu Amalric, uh, who is um, you know, one of the researchers here. Um, and uh, it's really interesting. It's very interesting. It's, just, uh, it's very intellectual and it's got a lot of deep, rich kind of issues that deal with history and ethnicity and all that and it uh, might have been just too tough for them to market but I say Jimmy T Jimmy P sorry Jimmy P Psychotherapy of a Plains Indian by Arnaud Desplechin Benicio del Toro Mathieu Amalric definitely check it out
Oh, hi, Wade. Um, okay, How to Train Your Dragon has been out on uh, Blu-ray a couple times. So uh, is there a reason to buy the brand new spanking release of How to Train Your Dragon? Well, yeah, because the sequel just came out. and You need to have a brand new version of the original to go with the, to watch with the sequel. Right? I disagree. Okay. I think if you have any previous iteration of How to Train Your Dragon, which, by the way, is, a, is terrific. It was a surprisingly it good was. animated I, I, film. Everyone likes it more than I do, but that's okay. Um, there's no reason to buy this. But uh, it does have a Blu-ray. It has the DVD on, on another disc. And uh, there you go. I would I would pass because if you already have it, pass. If you don't have it, you might as well. But what yeah. I'm saying is, if you have it, pass. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bad Grandpa point five. Now this is the unrated version of the uh, Johnny Knoxville film. Now I don't like Jackass. I never liked Jackass. I don't like seeing people humiliated. See, that's my my thing is I don't like seeing people humiliated. It's I not my you. thing. However, I will say that in Bad Grandpa, which is you know whatever about ninety minutes, whatever it is, eighty six minutes. I got to say. Some of it, funny. Put it out there. Okay. Some of it, funny. Okay. It's a funny movie. You know, they, they'll surprise you. Johnny, the, whoever did the makeup on the Bad Grandpa uh, character Johnny Knoxville plays did a great job. I'm telling you. Yeah. Now, a lot of it is cheap. A lot of it is crude. And a lot of it is cruel. And blah, blah, blah. But I have to say that, you know what? Uh, some of this is the comedy of surprise where suddenly he'll just fly through a window and you're just completely flabbergasted. And that's funny and well done. Um, so it's cute. It's a funny little diversion. Let me, let me put it that way. So this is a point five. This also includes a roundtable interview with the filmmakers, uh, some deleted scenes, a couple outtakes. So good rental, bad grandpa. Point five. All right. Uh, a really unfortunate turn in the, uh, career, the uneven career of Elizabeth Banks, who I like a lot, who I do think is a good actress, but she's just not a star, and she needs to stop trying to anchor movies. Uh, man, Walk of Shame is a real big dud. This is a Blu-ray ultraviolet combo set, and here's the deal. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is a, uh, a news anchor here in Los Angeles. She goes in for an interview, uh, for a job interview, totally bonks it, decides she's just going to uh, self-medicate by having a, a completely unhinged night and she throws on this, uh, this skin-tight, uh, hot little yellow dress number and wakes up. It's kind of like the hangover, right? It's like, what the hell did I do last night? She's in some bed. She doesn't know how she got there. And then finds out from her agent, you got the job, but you got to be in for the interview at 5 a.m. Oh, no, she's got to get across town in this yellow dress. And, oh, the things that happened to her. And then it's just like a bunch of crap, and she's wearing a yellow dress, and it's not funny. The only thing that's apparently funny is like, Look, she's still wearing the yellow dress, and it's really tight, and it makes it hard to whatever. So horrible. the question is, horrible. to get to that place, Oh my gosh, it's horrible. did she sleep with a man named Mark Kaiser? No. No? No. I don't want to see it then. Okay. That's the movie I want to see. I'll bet you do. I will bet you do. Um, you know, let's, uh, here, I got a bunch of documentaries here that uh, I, I've been stockpiling for a few weeks. Speaking of documentaries, yeah. why don't you ask me how many Criterion Blu-rays are in my Barnes & Noble queue? Uh, 27. <laughs> Eight. 14. Oh, 14. Okay, right. tell me if I should buy these or not. Now, okay. these are in my queue. Now, here's the thing. At this point, I really only want Blu-rays of films okay. that I really, really love forever and ever and uh, ever that, and want to keep forever. You realize, uh, when I'm done here tonight, I'm going home and I'm, I'm, I've decided that I'm going to have at least a half a night binge going through my collection. I'm just going to say, never going to watch that, never going to watch that, never going to watch that again. Nope. Seen that too many times. That's gone. I'm going to purge. Really? I'm going to I'm going to spend like 2 or 3 hours just purging stuff tonight. Seriously? Yeah. I got to do it. It's Who just Who are you? I know. 
I know. You know what? You're the man who would just hoard DVDs just to be able to say. I've been watching World Cup games, and I'm just realizing that game was more entertaining than half the movies I own. No, 90% of the movies you own, because you own yeah. so many. I know. Okay, before we get to the documentaries, should I keep this or bag it? You ready? Yeah, hit me. Now, I, I've seen all these films, but do I right. want to own them forever? Sure. Tokyo Drifter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's been a long time, yeah. but it's cool. Okay. Yeah, but that's one, you'd like on a rainy day, you'll go, man, I want to watch Tokyo Drifter. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Kislowski's Three Colors. Gotta oh, get please. That. Of course, yeah. gotta get that. Seven Samurai? Of course. Scanners? Iffy. Really? Yeah, okay, iffy. We, we, have, we have 80s memories of that. You know, it's like a fun thing. I remember Scanners, but I, I, I can't really imagine. It doesn't hold up. I don't know. They're, they're, I can't think of a, a situation in life where I'd be sitting down going, oh, you know what? My daughter has never seen Scanners. I think <laughs> we'll have a daddy-daughter night and watch Scanners together. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the... Uh, uh, Godfrey Reggio's uh, Katsi trilogy. No, 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 no. boring. Well, this one I'll get, although you don't, you will not want me to. Nashville. No, Nashville is worth having just because it's a really important film, and Henry Gibson's in it, and and uh, Henry was a really neat guy, and I, you know because I I knew Henry a little bit, so because I went to school with his son. Okay, fine. Oh, did you hear that? Uh, was that a name drop? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> give me shelter. Rolling Stones. Give me shelter. Oh yeah, I guess you gotta have that. Right, yeah, you gotta have that. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm a huge Harold Lloyd fan, so The Freshman, you got to get that. Yeah, of course. Um, Crumb. You like that. I'm, I'm not a fan. Crumb. That, those, those people creep me out. That's a depressing movie to watch. I just want to shoot myself when it's over. Now, would I ever watch Kronos? Uh, Del Toro. Think, no, Maybe really. Pan's Labyrinth, yes. Kronos. Not really. No. Not I really. Right. No. Okay, Big Chill I'm getting. Yeah. Okay, well, the last, th- the, the, the last four I'm getting, whether you like it or not. The Big Chill... Yeah, gotta get that. Of course. My all-time favorite documentary of all time, Hearts and Minds. Yeah, yeah, that's just, that's just too important. Uh, Pickpocket, the Brisson film. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then Hard Day's Night. Yeah, of course. Of course, Hard Day's Night. <laughs> I thought you were, thought you were uh, no, wavering like, on Hard Day's no, Night. No, 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 of course. Okay, okay, I'm removing scanners. That means I'm down to 13. You're down. All right. I'm going to blow through some docs, okay? Go. You ready? Here we go. Yes, you want to tie me? Uh, tie you? Time oh. me. Oh, thank God. Five minutes. Five minutes? Give me five minutes. I'll blow uh, through I will, these. Uh, I'm going to count you down. Here we go. You ready? I'm going to uh, put a timer on this so that it goes bing, bing, bang when uh, the five minutes are up. Uh, three, two, one, go. Shebang. The Class of 92 Extended Edition. This is a, uh, a Walmart exclusive. A really, really cool uh, World Cup thing for anybody who's a soccer fan. This revisits the uh, Manchester United soccer players from uh, 1992 who were just the, the dudes, man. They just nailed it. They were amazing. And, of course, uh, David Beckham is the one that everybody knows. But if you're a soccer fan, you know, you also get Ryan Giggs and Gary Neville and Phil Neville. It's, it's, it's a really it's a, it's a cool doc. Good, good for soccer people. Nobody else will be even remotely interested. A little thing called Driven from Wheelchair to Race Car, and that tells you everything you need to know about this. Uh, this is about a, uh, this guy, Mike Bauer, who was paralyzed in a motorcycle accident, and uh, about he and a, how, uh, this rehabilitative neurosurgeon um, basically rebuilt his life as a race car driver. A, an amazing story, totally touching, and will bring some tears to your eyes. Uh, Oscar nominated The Missing Picture by the amazing uh, Cambodian director Riti Pan. Uh, this is his ongoing attack against the Khmer Rouge and what they did to his country. And uh, it didn't win the Oscar, but it just as well might have. It's uh, a, a fascinating imagine, kind of a, a reimagining of his uh, childhood 
in with these clay figures. It's just it's 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 just brutal and powerful and incredibly fascinating. And uh, it comes with both the English and the French narration. It is if if you have any passion for what happened in Cambodia during the Killing Fields era, it's just it's brutal. Uh, I got a couple of terrific titles from Sisu, uh, who releases uh, Jewish-themed titles. One is Jews of Iran, which is the entire history of uh, Persian Jews and basically who they are today and where they are, you know, what their their life is like today after so many years and why you know you think there are Jews in Iran. An incredible history and an incredible culture. So absolutely, uh, that is that is a fascinating doc, and also one called Fringes: New Adventures in Jewish Living, which is. Um, uh, basically, uh, kind of this really powerful look at uh, you know the reinvention of Jewish identity in in a very difficult era. And uh, Paula Wyman Kelman uh, is the documentarian here, and it's a you know it takes three separate stories, and uh, it, it's just it's a it's a fascinating movie about Jewish identity that I just thought was great. The unknown known was pretty controversial. Uh, Errol Morris grabs Donald Rumsfeld Good and God. points a camera at him and lets him loose. No, you forgot one thing. What? Handed him a lot of rope. They handed him a lot of rope. A lot of damn rope. Uh, a lot of people kind of felt this was exploitative. Others felt like he, he was letting Rumsfeld uh, kind of, you know, uh, pontificate. Frankly, I, I just think it's fascinating. And if well, because Rumsfeld is so shameless. He, he has no sense of no. how he is perceived no, by, he has, by, by history, zero. by his friends, by his enemies. But not only that, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And at that point, it's like if you have somebody like that, it's like I don't even want to ask him a question. It's like, dude, roll. <laughs> throw, throw camera switch. Let man talk. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrific doc. It really, it really is. is. Like it really is. And controversial. Watch it with some friends and argue afterwards. Uh, from Breaking Glass, we got uh, Breaking Through, Out of the Closet, Into the Halls of Power. Uh, this is a really, really interesting doc about um, gay elected officials and, um, you know, many of them pioneers and uh, how this has sort of changed the political landscape and what, you know, they've gone through and all of this. And uh, really, really interesting just given a lot of the current political tides in the world and in the United States. So that's a good one. Uh, ride Report, 10,000 miles to Rio. Unfortunately, nothing to do with the World Cup. Uh, this is a uh, about a, this is basically a motorcycle road trip. Uh, filmmakers Tiernan Turner and Matt Kendall uh, want to go down to Carnival, so they basically blow through ten thousand miles, starting in Rio, in Las Vegas and ending up in Rio, uh, sitting on Suzuki motorcycles. And uh, you know, it, it it's it's basically fun. It's not meaningful or anything. Um, it just it's just them encountering weird, odd people and having a good time. And I thought it was okay. Uh, World War One is enjoying all of its uh, 100 year anniversaries lately. Just a few days ago was the 100th anniversary of the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. And so I, I am going to recommend the uh, BFS release of fir- the first World War centenary collection, The Sum, S-O-M-M-E, which is still the most brutal loss, single loss, that the British Army has ever had in history. 120,000 soldiers um, just poured into this battle, and it, it was uh, astonishing. This took place in 1916, so it's the 98th anniversary, in effect, uh, of the the sum. But you definitely want this. This is just uh, it's amazing, and it's three separate documentary uh, segments for this. Almost done, Mark. The Great Flood uh, by filmmaker Bill Morrison is uh, is really interesting. You know, he, he directed Decasia. Remember Decasia? Oh, I didn't quite make it. Did you ever see Decasia? 
That, the, the, the decaying film thing. It was an experimental deal. That's a negative. We gave it. We gave it an award at Lafka. We gave it one of the. <laughs> we did. We did. We gave it the Douglas Edwards uh, oh, thing. Please, <laughs> come on! Don't get me started on the Douglas Edwards experimental award. Uh, I know. Or the the inevitable acceptance speech from the winner of the Douglas, which Edwards, never ends. Which never ends. It never ends because it's like, oh my gosh, someone want, I'm, I'm here. I got an award for something. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is a documentary about the uh, 1927 Mississippi River flood. Uh, which it was, uh, at least until Katrina, was, which is not a flood, it was a hurricane, but still the most amazingly psychotic flood in the history of the United States. And uh, Bill Morrison and um, uh, Bill Fressel, who was a guitarist, uh, put this uh, together. And it's, uh, it's, it's not a traditional documentary in any way, but it is certainly a tribute to what happened, a nice archival, uh, a nice little archival deal. And then the last two I was going to throw blow through here. Let me go real quick. Uh, one is called Grease Paint, real quickly. Uh, this is about uh, this guy named Joe Thurmond, who is a uh, wrestler and rodeo cowboy who um, decides to just become a clown. And uh, he drags his family and burns up his life savings in just to create this, this clown persona. And this is a really, really... I, I thought this would be like a fun documentary to watch. It's deeply disturbing. It's really, really upsetting. Um, because the, the guy had like a really good career going as a cop. Like he, he was once a wrestler and then he becomes a cop and then he becomes a clown and he burns through everything and puts his family at risk. And you just think, dude, man, some dreams are just not worth chasing. And uh, then lastly, there is We Always Lie to Strangers, which is uh, all about Branson, uh, as in Branson, Missouri, which is like the, Branson, Missouri is like the Vegas of middle America. It's a weird, strange place with all kinds of shows and people vacation there who can't afford to vacation anywhere else. And uh, I, I just find it really uh, an unusual place. I don't know why anybody would ever want to go to the Ozarks on a vacation, but for some reason, Branson is like the bomb for millions of people in America. And uh, this will this endeavors to tell you why. Uh, it just made me want to stay very far away. But you know, hey, if it, whatever floats your boat, that's what I say. You know, Wade. Yes, sir. Uh, you only live once. And let's say I'm lucky enough to live, let's say, 80 years. Sure. That's kind of a joke. Sure. 80 years. Sure. I will not spend one second of those 80 years in Branson. Uh-huh. Certain places you just know you're not going to visit. Machu Picchu, probably not going to visit Machu Picchu. I'd uh, visit Richard Branson, though. Would you? In I space? Would. Wherever he is. In his balloon. <laughs> his beautiful balloon? In his balloon. All right, should we do some TV? Do some we TV. Should we do some uh, new movies? We'll, 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 do some TV, and then uh, I'll rock some Criterion. Uh, Wade, uh, in the mid-90s, I was a TV, show, a TV talk show producer. It's what I did. I produced TV talk shows. Yes, you did. And there was a show. Very nicely, I would add. Thank you so much. And uh, there was a show on HBO that was all about a TV talk show host named Larry Sanders. And it was the Larry Sanders show. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Larry Sanders show, which aired from uh, 1992 to 1998, was all about the nightly production of the Larry Sanders late-night talk show. To most people, this was a comedy. A brutally honest, mm-hmm. satirical comedy yep. on what it takes to put on a late night talk show. But to people like myself, who were working in late night at the time, this show, documentary. This thing is so spot on and so hilarious and rip torn is just unbelievably brilliant. I saw him Larry's in Manhattan producer. once. Huh? I saw him in Manhattan once, Rip Torn. Oh, no, that was Rip Taylor. Never mind. Carry on. They're they're both nuts. So this is a DVD that combines seasons one and two, 
Mm. It's a combo pack. I R- have to Rip say, Torn is really good on this oh, show. Oh, he's so good. And, and voice Gene his Garofalo is and Jeffrey Tambor is the sidekick. Mm. I mean, this this thing is absolutely Hall of Fame brilliant. The Larry Sanders show. I cannot recommend it enough. It is yeah. literally it was literally my life for the four years I was at NBC Late Night. So very highly recommend. I mean, it would be better if it was on Blu-ray. It would be better if it was a, sure. if, if, if it was an entire series set on Blu-ray, uh-huh. but the best we can do is one and two. Now, one's already been released on DVD. True. I have it. Yes. That was years ago. Yes. Now we have one and two mm-hmm. uh, combined. Anyway, that is Larry Sanders' show. Uh, next, we have Helix. Now, Helix is a sci-fi show that I actually kind of thought was pretty cool. It's about these uh, guys who work for the CDC, and they have to go to the Arctic to investigate a outbreak, disease outbreak, and, of course, things spin from there. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds like one of those Canadian shows that we always make fun of for being kind of like, you know, like the retarded uncle of an American show. Yep. But actually, it's not. Hmm? It's an American show. And it's really good. And you know why? Here's why it's good. Hmm. It was EP, the EP, Ron Moore. Sure. Right? Star Trek The Next Generation and Battlestar Galactica. Serious pedigree, right? Yeah. In the show running staff. Sure. Love it. So, uh, it's good. It petered out for me a little bit towards the end. Uh, but it's a great setup. The pilot is it was a two-hour pilot. I remember watching it. It's a great pilot. And uh, it's good. Helix, season one on Blu-ray. I like yeah. it a lot. I also liked on DVD a really cool show that uh, was not on my radar until we got the DVD called um, Hinterland. Now, Hinterland, this is season one. This is about a detective in uh, Wales. Not like in Wales, like he was swallowed by a whale, but it's in Wales. Oh, oh, the country. The country of Wales. It speaks that language that nobody else they speaks. They speak the language. You know, and, and every, every word in the Welsh language has like six Ys. It's, uh, they have like six Ys, 17 consonants, and maybe a couple of vowels. It's just, it's just it's the worst language ever. Lots of Gs and, and Ds and GRs <laughs> and G-D-H-R-Y-T-H-T-T-R-Y-A-G-H. Keep going. Anyway, I liked it a lot. It's got a great sense of place. Mm-hmm. I find that area of the world fascinating. Uh, it's very dark. Not true detective type dark, but it's still very dark. And uh, it's great. It's a really cool show. Hinterland, season one. I don't know if there's going to be a season two, um, but I hope there is because season one was terrific. A couple of um, classic TV shows we'll get to real fast, then a couple of uh, moderately new shows we'll get to. What do you, oh, yeah. No, I got, got a couple, okay. couple over here, too. Uh, Bewitched, season three and four. Now, this has all been out before, but these yes. are these are now the bargain price deals. That, yeah. Bewitched season three and four. Not a fan of Bewitched. I hadn't really liked that. Oh time. gosh, what, how can you not like? It had two uh, different Darrens. What well, wasn't into it? Two different Darrens, nope. both named Dick. Not into it. Dick York, Dick Sargent. Also not into Mama's Family. Complete season four is now on DVD. Not a fan we, of that. We've talked about that before too. Partridge Family a little bit before my time Come in terms on. of like you know sitcoms. Partridge Family one Come and on, two. Come on, get happy. Not into it. And then uh, the newest one is season three, part two of Teen Wolf. And this is an MTV show that somehow has survived. It's, no one talks about it. It's not even that great, but uh, it's, it's held on. So uh, season three, part two of Teen Wolf, now on um, DVD, which is weird. Booyah. A couple more TV things to talk about. Um, now, I missed the whole Party of Five thing. Because it just seemed really gay, <laughs> and, and not like not, a, not in, uh, uh, in a like a homosexual sense. You're using it in the in the '80s sense that we grew up with, right? Yes, correct. Correct. The the Vince Vaughn sense, <laughs> Thank you know, you for correcting me. Yes, um, but like your parents chaperone you to the dance sense that, yeah. in, from the horrible Ron Howard movie. <laughs> 
Okay, the show, the show, which ran from uh, like '94 to 2000, had a cast that you would recognize today. Of course, Matthew Fox, who wound up on Lost, Lacey Chabert, who blew her chance to make untold millions on Family Guy, mm-hmm. but then she left after the first season. Which is <laughs> weird, I know. Yeah. Uh, it was replaced by Mila Kunis. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt was in the show. Scott Wolf was in the show. Nev Campbell. This is the complete first season on DVD. I don't get this show. I never liked it. It's about it's about five siblings whose parents are killed uh, by a drunk driver, and they got to uh, they've got to you know make it on their own. And I just think this thing was a real soap opera, just a real lame teen soap opera. And I totally missed the boat. People loved it, but not me. Finally, on my end, Boondocks. Now the Boondocks complete fourth season. This thing has been. Uh, there's a new season of the Boondocks. I believe it's the last season of the Boondocks. It was just premiered, and it does not include the work of Aaron Magruder, who was the originator of the Boondocks comic strip, which was also the show for three previous seasons before this fourth season DVD. Not a fan of the animation on this show. Not a fan of the characters. Um, I just really think the show is just odd. I just don't... It's very political, which I like. Um, It's got a real social edge to it, which I like. I just don't find the characters interesting. I don't find the animation appealing. It's a, the, the animation almost has like a Ralph Bakshi feel to it. And I want my Ralph Bakshi to be completely X-rated. Uh, yeah, totally. I don't want my Ralph Bakshi to be unhinged. like, you know, uh, yes. I don't want it to be like, you know, PG-13 TV stuff. So not a fan of Boondocks, um, but it is on DVD, complete fourth season. Go wait. You know what? I never, sh- I never heard of the show Sugarfoot. Mm-hmm. These are I have three titles here from the Warner Archive collection, and uh, they're all television, all, all classic TV series uh, seasons. One is Sugarfoot, the complete third season. I never heard of Sugarfoot. I should have heard of it growing up. Didn't. This is all new to me. I don't know where this show came from. But anyway, Sugarfoot stars Will Hutchins, who vanished uh, soon after. Uh, basically, as a uh, this is kind of the anti-western on television, right? He's the uh, he's this guy Tom Brewster, otherwise known as Sugarfoot Tom Brewster. This is season three that I've got here, and uh, basically he's like a he's like a law student who doesn't believe in violence, and uh, so he's sort of n- not the rifleman. He's the opposite of the rifleman, and uh, it's a it's a it's a kind of a peculiar, likable show. But really, like a lot of other shows from this era, you're watching it for the uh, you're watching it for the um, Cameos from basically actors that you recognize from a lot of other shows. Uh, the only thing I found interesting about this is that Adam West plays Doc Holliday. How cool is that? Adam West is Doc Holliday. Who knew? Adam West rules. Adam West is Doc Holliday. I'm going to say that again. Person. Adam West is Doc Holliday. It's the greatest bit of casting I've ever seen. Uh, it's pretty awesome. He, uh, you also get Connie Stevens and Ruta Lee and Troy Donahue and you know a bunch of other people here who just uh, James Coburn always shows up in these things from this period. So that makes it kind of interesting. Then we also got the eighth season of the FBI uh, with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Pretty much the same as every other season, running a little thin by the eighth season. Uh, so you know, again, you get like David Soul and Martin Sheen and. Uh, uh, like Edward Mulhair and Dean Stockwell, you know uh, William Wyndon, of course. Remember William Wyndon uh, from the from the big marijuana spaceship episode of Star Trek. Exactly, uh, Admiral Decker. We've got to kill it. Uh, Doctor Kildare, the complete third season, uh, comes in a two dis kind of a two volume set, part one and part two, which is unbelievably annoying. But Richard Chamberlain still. Uh, quite the fetching doctor. This was a big deal at the time. Well, they made Doctor Kildare movies, of course, that he was not in. Now. But, huh? 
Richard Chamberlain, he's still handsome now. He's still Have handsome. Have you seen it's, him like on shows and whatnot? It's infuriating. It's like, dude, it's the age. Would you please? Already? Don't look younger. He's than... had work done. I know. So anyway, that, that's all out there. Mark, we got us some, uh, we got us some criterions here. <gasps> so Louis Fayad, Dead. who was a big deal in the uh, silent era in France, made a thing in 1916 called, uh, well, we pronounce it here as Judex. Judex, Judex, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it was uh, kind of a really cool uh, cult, highly stylized cult crime thing in, uh, in 1916. And in 1963, Georges Franju, who of course was his own kind of crazy stylist with eyes without a face and a whole bunch of other cool movies, decided he was going to redo it. So he did. And it's great. It's, uh, it's every bit as cool as the original Louis Fayad. It is uh, only 97 minutes long, and it comes with tons and tons of really, really cool extras on here. Uh, a 50-minute doc on uh, Georges Franju's career. Got a couple of short films uh, by uh, Franju. You've got a um, uh, thing on Georges Méliès. A whole lot of just really, really great stuff that, all about the movie and about the French film industry at the time. It's just really good. So that's a great criterion. Mark, of course, has Hearts and Minds, the Blu-ray in his queue. Oh, this is the Blu-ray You DVD. could give me that. If Hell no! To. What? Hell no, bro. You'd save me 20 bucks. Dude, I haven't watched this in, in ages. I'm dying to see this again and, and just kind of soak it in, you know? I love this movie. Yeah. So Hearts and Minds is out in a, in a Blu-ray uh, DVD dual set. Um, this is one I have only watched a couple of the extras on so far. I'm going to saturate myself with the movie. The movie is amazing. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal. Uh, the extras here that are really cool uh, include um, a whole bunch of unused footage that is really could have been used just for it to make almost an entirely different movie. It's just really, really outstanding stuff. Uh, it, you realize that, that, that you know, when you make a great documentary, you're not just using the, the, the stuff that matters. You, you have to make these just critical decisions because this thing could have probably been 10 hours long. As it is, it's almost two hours long. It's just really, really great. So, um, and then you get a great booklet here that has a, uh, a wonderful uh, essay by Judith Christ in particular and a bunch of other uh, essays. That's sharp. And then, um, cover to cover, I watched every single solitary thing on Picnic at Hanging Rock. Uh, Peter Weir, I'm just heartbroken that he cannot get a film made anymore and that he's kind of almost thrown the towel in on making movies because this is well, a... Well, you fa- love The Way... Didn't you love The Way, Way Back, whatever it's called? I did. The Way Back? I thought it was great. I thought really? it was... Oh, I thought it was such a terrific film. I mean, Peter Weir has never made a film that I did not love. Not one. I mean, he is... If his he is, name was not on that film, you would not love it as much. You I would have. I would have. Really? That movie brought me to tears. That was just an outstanding film. Um, anyway, of course, this is based on the 1967 Joan Lindsay novel. And it is just a wonderful, mysterious... This is the film that essentially launched his career uh, around the world. Uh, it, this is a wonderful, mysterious, uh, fascinating, dramatically compelling uh, film. Just a, a bizarre sort of mystical realism that just doesn't exist in any other movie. And uh, it is, of course, about a group of women from an all-girls college who vanish during a picnic on uh, Valentine's Day. And it just, uh, what, psychologically, narratively, every other way, this is a masterpiece. Uh, it gets better with age. Made in 1975. Dates beautifully and is loaded with all kinds of outstanding stuff on here. The Blu-ray transfer is masterful. You, you, it just doesn't get any better than this. 
And uh, it's got a, an interview with Weir that is captivating, completely captivating in every conceivable way. Um, new introduction by David Thompson, who's always really great. Love all of his books, by the way, too. And then a, an onset documentary that uh, makes you, well, if it's even possible, make you love the film even more. Tons of stuff on here. Blu-ray and DVD. Get it now while you can. Picnic at Hanging Rock. It is just a screaming masterpiece. Is that right, Wade? It is. Absolutely is. All right, uh, Mark, we've got, um, you know, I'm going to make a mention of one, one other foreign film here before we get into a, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, the Lunchbox. Did you see The Lunchbox? Uh, I did not see The Lunchbox, and I felt bad about that because... Um, it's really good, man. Everybody loved it. Tim loved it. Tim's, the, Tim's the one that got everybody. Remember, he sent us all an email. He's like, you guys got to see The Lunchbox. It's great. Uh, one of the great, best uh, Indian films in a very long time. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo set. Uh, Ritesh Batra is the director, and uh, part of the reason that this is just so great is because you have this unbelievably fantastic cast, uh, anchored by Irfan Khan, who is just always great. Uh, you know, the Life of Pi, a lot of, you know, uh, Slumdog Millionaire, he's like the go-to guy. He's like the Indian actor that we put in all our Hollywood movies now. Uh, but it's just wonderful, and it all starts with a, uh, a misdelivery. And um, it... it kind of brings these two people together uh, this man and this woman Irfan Khan is the dude and um, everything that happens after that is magical it's just magical it's just about human connection and it's magical I, 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 I'll give you nothing else you just will absolutely love this movie it's like it, it, if, if this it's if it were possible to remake this as a Hollywood film and not do it with you know like Matthew McConaughey and uh, Kate Hudson you might be able to do something really incredible. So, I'm, you know, it, it, watch it. They're going to probably remake this. They'll probably ruin it. But if they, if they do it right, it could be fantastic. Just saying, it could be fantastic. All right, Mark, let's, uh, let's burn up the end of the show with some classics. Wait, look, I know that when you say classic, you wouldn't think to yourself Airplane 2, the sequel, when you said classic. But it's pretty great. Well, yes. here's the thing: is that it's funny because Airplane. It's not a good movie, but it's but it has it has enough moments that you're like Airplane was such a phenomenon. And by the way, we should point out these are all uh, Paramount titles that are now being released by Warner Brothers, and they're you know new to D, new to Blu-ray. Correct. Yes. Um, so Airplane to the sequel, obviously Airplane was a phenomenon at the time, and it was pretty amazing that uh, the Zucker brothers did not return for this one. Yep. They're nowhere near this thing. Which, I guess, is either a sign of foolhardiness or possible... Uh, well, they didn't want to do a sequel. They didn't think it needed a sequel. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was really more a sign of integrity. Yeah. So they wound up with some guy. Some yeah. guy named Ken Finkelman. Who's done nothing else who's since. Who's done really. nothing else since. Yeah. And he pretty much just sort of re, rejiggers all the old airplane jokes into Airplane 2. Except mm -hmm. for what I will tell you is one of the great side gags in movie history. We've talked about this so many times. It one never of the gets great... Old. Shatner is oh involved of all the other things he's he's been involved in. Yep. Captain Kirk, right? Mm -hmm. He was actually involved in what I consider one of the great side gags ever. Yep. So and I'll just funny. say two words to you, Wade. No tower. <laughs> so good. The best moment ever. Yep, totally. This Blu-ray is worth it just to hear Shatner say no tower. Also, from that uh, Warner now releasing Paramount titles to Blu-ray thing, is the uh, Oscar-winning Stalag 17, 
uh, courtesy of the amazing Billy Wilder, whose career just never, ever had a dip. Uh, Stomach 17, you know, is one of the, that along with The Great Escape, were the films that were fused together to make uh, Hogan's Heroes. But uh, William Holden in this, it's just, it's the original, the one and only great prisoner of war uh, camp World War II movie, and it just kicks butt. Um, it's great. Absolutely great, and uh, Otto Preminger is in it. He's fantastic as the Commandant. Billy Wilder just nailed this thing at one Best Picture deservedly. William Holden won Best Actor. I mean, it's a it's a great film. It still holds up. Stalag 17 can't miss it now on Blu-ray. Not a great transfer. It's, they kind of sort of farted that one out, but it's still it's it, the movie holds up. Oh wait, four films that are new to Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. It amazes me that they have not been released on Blu-ray before. One is The Odd Couple, the Jack Lemmon Walter Matthau classic that uh, begat the uh, long-running sitcom uh, this is from 1967 and it is hilarious it's a great great movie and it's funny based on the neil simon play directed by gene Sachs. and uh you know one of them's sloppy one of them's uh, fastidious and neat and they gotta live together uh, and it's just great odd couples terrific it is a classic that will last forever um the talented mr ripley which actually it's funny i just started i just finished reading the book yeah because i'd never read the book mm -hmm. right patricia highsmith's book right i read it on my kindle i love my kindle and I downloaded this. I've been streaming the movie uh, on Netflix. Sure. So the fact that it is now available on Blu-ray really means nothing because you can just stream it on Netflix. have to say, movie, it's okay. I feel like they didn't really get the character. I feel like the Matt Damon character who was a con man and always knew he was a con man and part of the thrill of the book is hearing his inner monologue as he tries to figure out how to get, rid how to get out of the next pickle. Mm -hmm. None of that is in the movie. Because obviously you can't get into a guy's head in the in a movie, yeah. as you can in a book. So it's missing that core soul of the book. So it's okay. Matt Damon plays um, uh, the lead character, and it's okay. Pretty Italian. Um, Patricia Highsmith was a pretty horrible anti-Semite, by the way. You know. That. Uh, yeah. Well, well, what you know, what can I do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Marathon Man is a very odd. Terrific... Speaking of anti-Semites, that Dustin Hoffman, he so hates Jewish people. <laughs> exactly. John Schlesinger, right? Yeah. A great director of the 70s, oh. right? Kind great director right into the 90s. That's true. Kind Old of Comfort Farm. That's true. Uh, directs The Marathon Man. This is, a, this is a very unique, interesting thriller uh, with World War II Nazi overtones starring Dustin Hoffman as the Marathon Man who, gets, uh, who winds up getting involved in this whole World War II surviving Nazi Lawrence Olivier. crime thing portrayed by uh, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> and all... all, all all it would be ridiculous in anyone else's hands. That movie would not would work be. without with any other director or any other two actors. What's, it would just be absurd. It would be it's like a straight to video trauma film. Wait, but somehow here it's like one of the great movies of the era. What's that thing he says? Is it safe? Hmm? What's that thing he says? Is it safe? You know, there's actually there's, there's a very funny story about Marathon Man and acting, which I think I might have told on the show before. I'll tell real quick. There is a uh, there's a scene in the film where Dustin Hoffman's character has has not slept for three days. So in order to get more into the character, Dustin Hoffman did not sleep for 36 hours. So he can, be, he can better act as mm -hmm. if he was tired. So when Olivier sees him on set to shoot the scene, Olivier says, uh, how are you feeling? And Hoffman says, I haven't slept for 36 hours mm -hmm. because my character hasn't slept for three days. I love this story. And Olivier says, my boy, you haven't slept for 36 hours? Just act. Why not just act? Because mm -hmm. that's what Olivier would do. But Hoffman, who's from the Method School, he has to stay up for a day and for uh, a day and a half to get into character. Anyway, that's Marathon Man. Also, very highly recommended. I do like this film a lot. 
El Dorado. This is the the pretty great, unbelievable pairing of John Wayne, Robert Mitchum. Yep. I mean, come on, folks, unbelievable, right? Totally. This by the by the way was written by Lee Brackett. I know. And Lee Brackett. Speaking of Billy Wilder. And Lee Brackett was uh, yeah Billy Wilder's uh, you know partner. Partner. Anyway, so El Dorado is one of the great westerns. I liked it a lot. By the way, for those who um, for those who care, Lee Brackett not only wrote great Billy Wilder films, great uh, western films, including El Dorado, and real, and also wrote The Long Goodbye, the yeah. great Robert Altman film. She also co-wrote, in a sense, although I don't think any of her contributions to the script made the final film, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back. Yep. There you go. So what I'm saying is that before you dismiss El Dorado as like some old fogey western. Not, it's good. No, it's good. So we, and we also have the Ultimate Gangsters collection, collection Contemporary, uh, from uh, this is volume two. And I'm, I got to say, even though I love the other Ultimate Gangsters collection releases uh, from Warner Brothers, I, I'm a little iffy on this one, and I'll tell you why. Here are the films that are on this. This is a Blu-ray set, uh, and uh, you get The Town by Ben Affleck. Internal Affairs with Richard Gere, Black Rain, the uh, Ridley Scott film, of course, with um, Michael Douglas, and Once Upon a Time in America, the Sergio Leone film. Now, uh, here's why I'm not keen on this. Um, Are these all good films? Well, The Town is fine. Uh, Could have been better. Internal Affairs is not very good. Uh, Black Rain, I think, is terrific, but not everybody likes it. Once Upon a Time in America is a masterpiece. The, the reason here being that uh, Internal Affairs is the ringer here. I don't think anyone needs that. And Once Upon a Time in America is coming out end of September later this year in, in the extended director's cut, nice big splashy thing. So you don't really need that. So you would be getting this for Black Rain and The Town. And I'm not sure everybody really feels like this is, it's worth picking up this whole thing just for those two movies. You'd, you'd be better off just picking up Black Rain and then maybe renting The Town. So I, I have a hard time really recommending this. But... Um, you know, uh, I guess if you're an internal affairs nut, then maybe it's worth it. But otherwise, uh, I would skip. And then uh, just to kind of wrap the show out, let's see. We've got some. Uh, let me let me uh, nail these olive titles. We've got speaking of Paramount uh, catalog, uh, three titles from Olive that are now out. Uh, they're from the Paramount catalog, and Olive, of course, also dips into that Paramount catalog and releases stuff. And uh, they've got some good ones here. Uh, one in particular, Operation Petticoat, the great Blake Edwards comedy with Tony Curtis and Cary Grant, uh, which is a, still a wonderful film, politically incorrect like, like nobody's business. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's women on a submarine. I mean, it's, it's like as, as it was kind of uh, 50s era sexist as it comes. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's still terrific, and I enjoy it as as long as you can kind of put your political correctness away and just enjoy it in all the kind of Blake Edwards cheesiness for which it was intended. It is a lot of fun, and it's really well written, and it's just really fun directing. And I just uh, I just think this is a, a movie that sometimes gets a little bit uh, unfairly maligned. So um, you know, nurses on a submarine, man. It just doesn't get any better. I'm sorry. I'm going to be politically incorrect. Leo McCary's Good Sam with Gary Cooper and Ann Sheridan is an oft-overlooked 1948 classic that uh, features one of, uh, one of Gary Cooper's most endearing performances. Um, really, you know, he, he basically is a, a department store guy here who, uh, who just can't get a break in life. And it is an awful lot of fun. And Ann Sheridan plays his wife. 
and uh, the shenanigans here are just delightful. Leo McCary has such a, a light touch and yet has such a wonderful way with sentimentality. I really recommend it. And then a movie that I was totally unfamiliar with, didn't even know this existed, is called So This Is New York with Henry Morgan, Rudy Valley, uh, Virginia Gray, and Donna Drake. Totally uh, unknown to me. Uh, it made, was made in 1948. Harry Morgan, I didn't even know, was doing stuff in 1948. I mean, I thought he started with MASH. I didn't even realize Harry Morgan had a career before MASH. Uh, he was actually born 65 years old. <laughs> it's just strange. But this is a Richard Fleischer movie. And it is, of all things, based on a novel by Ring Lardner called The Big Town and uh, adapted by Carl Foreman. I mean, this is like a huge bunch of people on this that just, I, I don't know why I've never even heard of this movie. So This is New York basically stars Henry Morgan as a kind of uh, Lubitschy nebbish um, who uses his inheritance to uh, take his wife and his sister-in-law to New York and uh, bump up against all these peculiar people and uh, they're all trying to get his inheritance and uh, it's shenanigans. It's not brilliant, but it's entertaining and certainly uh, you know, a little bit edgier than most of the other stuff that was made at that time and uh, I would say this is a lovely discovery. So um, since this is a limited uh, pressing, I believe, from Olive, you might want to uh, go ahead and at least buy it and uh, give it a look-see because it's, it's worth checking out. So this is New York. All right, with that, Mark, the show is over. We're going to, uh, we're still looking for outros. We're going to have some listener mail next week uh, that we've been kind of compiling. And then uh, we are actually, it's going to be in two weeks, because I should say because the uh, 4th of July weekend is coming up and we're all going to enjoy a long weekend and because I'm on NPR next week and uh, having to somehow juggle all the films I have to see for NPR with World Cup quarterfinals and semifinals. It's, it's going to be an excruciating week. So, um, and having lost all this time because of uh, hanging out with Kid Rock's cousin. So we're going to um, we're gonna take a bit of a bye week next week and then be back on the, uh, the week of the 13th. And uh, so that will be the next show, the week of the 13th. And uh, so everybody sort of enjoy the interlude and uh, we will see you then.